What's up, kids? Fat Kev Smith, quickly reminding you ways that you could financially remunerate those of us at Smodco who give you so much fucking free all over your face, neck, and chest. Um, here's some gigs that are coming up and whatnot. Uh, March 20th, that is a Wednesday night, this Wednesday night, uh, 10 p.m. at the Laugh Factory in Hollywood. Jay and Silent Bob get old. This will be our third show there, man. Come on out. We've been having great times. Uh, tickets at csmod.com. Now, over in Orlando, at uh, the Orlando Improv, over there in Florida, America's Wang, as Homer told us once. Uh, it's me and Bri Johnson from Comic Book Men and Tell Him Steve Dave doing Why Bri live March 26, 8 p.m., Orlando Improv. Why Bri? Gonna be a blast, man. March 30th. I'm going to be back out in Los Angeles, and me and Ralph going to do that magical show we call Hollywood Babylon. I hope at the Lovitz, Saturday, March 30th, uh, 8 p.m., tickets at csmod.com. And don't forget, folks, Comic Book Men, every Thursday night at 10 o'clock. They've been rerunning it on Sunday nights as well. Uh, so there's only a few more episodes left of this season. Get in there, show the boys you love. And, of course, Jay and Silent Bob, super groovy cartoon movie is fucking everywhere, man. Uh, come see us. Tickets are moving real fast. Tour starts on 420. Nooch. Tickets at csmod.com slash groovy movie. Okay, on with another Smodco podcast. This is Jack Morrissey welcoming you to episode 52 of Team Jack. I think the episode title will be, What's a Lexicon? <laughs> Which I actually looked up in um, while I was laying in bed this morning after I reread our guest's vulture profile. Do you do a lot of that? Yeah. Uh, like in bed, either late night or early morning, yeah. Wikipedia slash Googling. Yeah. Me too, man. <laughs> if, I've, I'm ever, if I ever die in a car wreck. Sometimes with one eye open and it will always be my left eye open. If I ever die, <laughs> if I ever die in a car wreck, they're going to look at my fucking iPhone and they're going to see that I was It'll currently. Cur- no, 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 no. Well, there's that. Sex they're also going to see I was currently Googling like, when did the Arby's restaurant chain get established? I've never eaten there. I have no interest in eating there, but I need to know. But it seemed like a perfectly good Google at the time. There's a lot of that. Yeah. Like my search history. Should we, should we see? Let's see. What's my Google search history? I'm just curious. All right. The last searches on my iPhone Don't are, censor it. I'm not. American Movie Trailer. American Horror Story Season 3. Capriati's on Wilshire. Sandwich Shop. Right. Camel Toad YouTube. Glycerine Acoustic. I wanted to listen to a little bush. Village Pizza. Yucca. I'm going to get some pizza. There's only a few more, guys. C3PO Smoking. Someone told me there's a picture of C3PO smoking a cigarette. Okay. How does that work exactly? Anthony Daniels interview. Kenny Baker. Kenny. Uh, Sim. I don't even know what that. Simpsons. Don't you want some candy? Which was a quote I was trying to find a Google a YouTube clip of. Okay. And D'Lo Brown, who is a professional wrestler. That's all there within the are. last day. And there we are. Yeah. Wow. I'm pretty cool. 
Um, I wouldn't even know how to find my Google search history. Go to Safari and then just click your uh, Google window and it will bring up the last things you searched. Go to Safari. This is a fun Sorry, game, Laura. kids. We'll no, that's okay. That's why I'm, I'm learning something here. I, I use Google Chrome, so I don't know if I can do that in Google Chrome. <laughs> listeners or not, at home, you got it? I'm on Safari, okay. yes. Let me just... Uh, just go to Google right there, and then, boom, there's the only things you've asked in the last day. Also, a.k.a. <laughs> you know, why you never give your iPhone to ever, anyone, because they will learn ever. all about you. Yeah, Seriously. no, if someone ever this saw... not terrible, though. Forget my iPhone. That's tame. If someone saw my computer search history, I'd be in jail right now. This isn't terrible. Cohen, I'll, I'll actually just let you Okay, it's it. not bad. And I will not censor, because this show is about embracing... <laughs> there's nothing to really flag. be censored. It's pathetic. Crave review, which... Charlie DeLazarica's movie. Absolutely. Yep. Crave with Ron Perlman. Yep. Oscar Screening pa- Thursday night. Oscar party. Were you just looking for one to go to or? Um, I have no just idea why Oscar I would have Oscar party. Okay. Oh, I know why. Um, for the Oscar party schedule. Okay. For when E.L. James was in town. She okay, went right to the on. Vanity Fair party on Sunday night after the telecast and she was in town for the week prior. Very cool. You got so. two more on here. Perks of being a wallflower. Yeah, I've no it. Like, why would I have just? Because you, you've seen the movie and movie. liked it, right? Have you read the book? Uh, I've not read the book. Saw the movie, liked it, didn't love it. So I went. Okay, so that's interesting. Here's the bottom. Facebook. Facebook. These can't be real searches. No, those are real. That's absolutely your search. You're your search history. Else Facebook why were you googling right. Facebook? Right. Like, were you trying to get to Facebook, or do you have a Facebook app on your phone? I have no idea. No, I have the Facebook app. On so, my phone. so googling Facebook seemed. Maybe you were looking up the history of Facebook. The absurdity of Facebook. No, the history. Like, you wanted to read oh, about right. the founding yeah. of it and, and all that. Whatever. Okay. Anyway. That was fun. <laughs> so our guest this week is Laura Cristiano, um, spelled without an H. Correct. You are not Christ-like. No, I'm not. You are... Who's a famous Christ? Charlie Christ? Is that the guy? Oh, who's a famous God. Christ? Judith Christ. Know. Judith film Christ, critic. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Other than that, I don't know. Laura Cristiano of New Jersey, of the New Jersey Cristianos. Actually, I should correct that only because I'm a transplant from New York. Okay. And I frequently get when That's I am out and about in New Jersey you. that uh, people will say, oh, do you know the Cristianos from Nutley, New Jersey or Belleville, New Jersey? And I keep saying, no, I no. do not know them. I am not related yeah. to them. One of these days <laughs> I will actually run in and meet them somewhere. But Are this they mob? Hap- I have no idea. I don't, I've, I'm yet to meet them, but like I will go in and do business at a place. They're like, oh, do you know? I'm like, no. Right. So from, right. from New York originally. Um, I'm from New Jersey originally. Yes. But did my time in New York and then went back to New Jersey and lived not 10 minutes away, maybe 15 minutes away by on foot from where Laura Cristiano lives in Nutley or Bloomfield or Belleville? Not a couple towns over, only because I don't really want people on my front lawn, but yeah. (laughs) Well, Nutley's most famous resident was... um, Martha Stewart. Martha Stewart, right? Is she still? No, I don't. I think she's long since moved. I think she lives in Connecticut. So, Laura, you're you're from New York and you lived in New Jersey. Right. You're from New Jersey and you lived in New York. Uh And And I'm just from New York and I never lived in Jersey, so I win. You're the winner. (laughs) (laughs) Boom. Take that, state of New Jersey. Except in (laughs) Kevin Smith's universe. Um, Laura, I met a couple of years ago. Laura is one of the co-founders, along with Lori Joffs, 
of Twilight Lexicon, which is the, quote, brightest star in the online Twilight universe, Very good. Unquote, you got that verbatim. Stephanie Meyer, comma, author, comma, Twilight, right? Yes. Is that verbatim? Well, that God is knows verbatim. I've seen I'm, that. I, I am How impressed. How many times have I read that quote as I load that page? Well, not for nothing. It is there brandished right on the on the header exactly. of, of the website. You know, exactly. So, yeah. Yeah, no, we are the um, longest uh, continuously operating Twilight website on the internet. We were founded in March of 2006. There were a couple of smaller little sites that were out there ahead of us, all of which folded at least five years ago, if not more than that. And wow. so we've been the, we, we can't say that we're, we can be the first, but we are the ones that are still out there and still going strong. Right. Right. And I met you through, what was it? Your first. We met at a Edipe dinner. visit. At, at that's that summit entertainment through a, a dinner with, they had a bunch of, uh, twilight fan site operators out right. to Los Angeles to come out for the MTV movie awards, for at that time, Eclipse, right. I think, yes, right. it would, would have been Eclipse winning the right. award. They had us out to um, come on out for that, also to visit with Bill Condon in the Edit Bay and see some rough cuts of for Breaking Dawn one. 1. Yeah. And they had us out to dinner, and uh, we ended up down one end of the this really long table yep. was you, me, uh, Charlie Bewley, and a couple of guys who were PR uh for Summit. Yeah, Eric was down the other end of the table. Actually, funnily right. enough, that night, I didn't really get a chance to chat with Eric that much that night. I talked to him much more like two days later at the MTV right. Movie Awards. Right. Those were good times. It was. It was. It that was, was at yeah. Lexington Social House, I think, across the street from the Palace Theater on Vine or the you're Avalon correct. or whatever they're yeah, calling it these yeah, days. I can't even keep where up. it was. Um, where I think I'm going in a few weeks for uh, the LA Weeklies which is the nickname for the L.A. Weekly Theater Awards for which Eric Odom has been nominated. Cool, which was an amazing Actually, show. I loved yeah. I'm a big live theater really, person, couldn't you and come he up did with an another... awesome job of that. Sorry, I'm, I was stepping on you there. No, no. Couldn't you come up with another name for, for the it? award night than the L.A. Weeklies? It's the L.A. Weeklies? Yeah. <laughs> it's not kind of shitty. Last year, the, the it's a free, uh, dress it's a free code was togas. togas. This year, the dress code is apocalyptic. I hope next year it's robots. So does that mean you come as zombies? What does that mean? Apop- apocalyptic? It means Eric Odom is going in jeans and a black t-shirt. There you He's go. He's like, I'm not buying it. <laughs> I'm not doing that. Um, so I met Laura uh, near the beginning. Well, not so near the beginning of the Twilight experience, but um, we've stayed in close contact ever since. Um, and with the Twilight phenomenon winding down, at least for the moment, uh, quite a while ago, you also started writing for Andrew Sims's Hypable. Uh, site, Hypable.com. And um, what do you cover for Hypable? I cover uh, mostly Doctor Who, uh-huh. a bit of um, Stephanie Meyer's universe, whether it's The Host or Twilight. Right. Uh, and then I also cross over into Once Upon a Time. And, right. Uh, Yeesh. Pitching- well, hey, not everybody's cup of tea, but it's fun. Hey, Robert Carlyle, do not l- knock Robert I Carlyle. I watched the first season in a two-day binge and was like, what a great show. And then the second season started, and I made it two episodes, and I was like, what a shitty show. And then I checked back in like four months later, and I was like, oh, still the worst show. So yeah, like, not the demographic. Yeah. <laughs> I, not, not true at all. 
I'm not the demographic for noggin or sprout either, but I watch a shitload yeah. of children of programming intended for three year olds. So yeah. well, there we go. You can't discount me you from know, anything. Before. But yeah. uh, I mean, some, and then I'll cross over to like different things and help people out with um, Walking Dead, Game of Thrones, things like that. A lot of different interests. Basically, if it's fantasy, then I'm all over it. So who's covering Sherlock? Uh, Andrew Sims and I, we both uh, split right. it. Not much to cover, though, unfortunately, right? No, it's shooting started. Well, just starting season up. Season three. Starting yeah, again? just starting up. So, Today, uh, yeah, absolutely. UK. Nice. Guaranteed so we'll, we'll those, uh, those uh, <laughs> set stalkers out in Wales will be, uh, you know, giving us some information, I'm sure. Well, they need to do something uh, in Wales for season three of Sherlock. Season three that dovetails so neatly with what's, what's about to happen. In the UK, which is the triple dip recession, they're going back in for all the economic indicators were like were delivered six days ago, and I, um, it's all but a done deal now that the UK is is uh, about to go back into recession for the third consecutive time. Ouch! Well, that, and that's after the summer Olympic well, Games. I was going to say, and, and so much for my uh, American dollars doing well over there in November. The November is the fiftieth anniversary of Doctor Who, and I'm. Really looking forward to crossing my fingers, getting over there for the 50th anniversary. No, uh, I think your I think your up. dollars are going to do incredibly well over there because the pound is is weakening. Oh by well, the then day. strike that. There we go. Yeah, it's great for you. <laughs> yeah, I know. Not that, as, as, as no, clearly I am not wishing ill on Great Britain, but boy, that would help me out a yeah, whole no, lot. The, yeah. The, the, the uh, sterling is is sterling and is sterling is in a slide. That would it's be a good. shit show over there. Yeah. The prime minister is probably going to have a hard time keeping his job over the next 12 months. Well, it would certainly help me afford flying to London in November, so yeah. that would be good for me. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, Laura is just sort of a, you know, a a, um, a general fangirl, a very passionate fangirl. What was your first, um, what was your first obsession? Oh, God. Um, oh, this is Are you in your sound. late 30s or early 40s? I'm in my early 40s. So who was your... How dare you? <laughs> Shut your pile. So, um, uh, no, gay I'm literally dudes, Gay dudes like don't know how to talk to women. No, Tiger Heat and 16 Magazine. Oh, who was your first crush? Oh, this is embarrassing. I hate Let's you go. officially. Scott Bayo. Damn it, I hate you. Wow, Scott Bayo. <laughs> well, Laura, we don't mean to surprise you, but come on out here, Scott. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sure Scott will be calling me up. Exactly. Because he yeah, was no. Italian? No, because he was hot on Happy Days. Have you not watched like this, the latter half of Happy Days? I it was the only thing 46. interesting. Huh? He was the only thing that was interesting in the later seasons of Happy Days. See, I disagree. For me, if I, well, let's just say, if I have to go into the subgenre of Italian boys that I had an interest in as a young, closeted, barely articulate gay guy, I would have to put Ralph Macchio above Scott Bale. All right, he was pretty hot, too. I'll give you Ralph Macchio. Yeah. It was pretty from, cool. Really, from the first Karate Kid movie is the thing that woke me up to him. There you go. Um, less so The Outsiders. Yeah, Although, and eight is enough. He was he was on that for like like eight five is enough seconds. is actually where I yeah where I first saw him yeah. before Karate Kid. Exactly. Yeah, so that was probably, I, I don't know if he would, I mean it was certainly an interest. I don't know if that was an obsession. I would say the the first things I got really obsessed about were probably like the Chronicles of Narnia books. I like was right voracious with that, but there was like no about internet. the animated. Not even the animated, like just like same the, yeah, that the, was made during the period. Yeah, no. and they were those were like okay, but there wasn't really the the first thing I could get really passionate about on the internet with with other people. I would say is Harry Potter. 
that was the first thing that really so that's got a long, me an online coach. But that's a long time. If you go from literally, if you go from discovering the Narnia, uh, oh, yeah. what do you call that? The, it's the not Chronicles a trilogy, of Narnia. It's, the, bigger. The, uh, it's like seven books. I don't even know what. The yeah. C.S. Lewis, yeah. Sept. And I guess I was like, da, da, I don't know. Da, da, I was like da, da. 12 or 13, I think, when I discovered those. And then your fangirl went underground and stayed dormant for a lot of years between that and Harry Potter. Yeah. Just, also, let's note that both of those, the franchise that, that you're defining as your first obsession and then the franchise you're defining as your second are both fantasy absolutely. franchises written by Brits. Uh, yeah. Actually, yeah. No, I am a pretty big Anglophile, I would say. Not, um, there's no Tolkien in there for you? I like Tolkien. Maybe Tol- later I, with I, I, the like, I like Tolkien. I, I'm not the obsessive Tolkien fan mm-hmm. that other people are. Like, I'm not going to quote like the Silmarillion to you, like backwards right. and forwards and upside right. down. Um, but I am a pretty big fan of that too. Just not to not the extent of what like true like you know the One Ring net people are all about. I'm just not right. at that level. Did you um, did you read any or all of those novels? Yes, You've I've read, read all your Tolkien. I, um, I didn't read The Hobbit, to be honest. I read. Right. I've read. Well, that's fine because you can. You'll just get the story over the course of five movies. <laughs> five movies and a book that's like, <laughs> like, like not that big. I know. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. No, I do. Um, my biggest. Um, Wait till they make the Silmarillion. They're, I heard they're going to do six seasons in a movie. Until You're kidding, really? No, of course not. But I'm just being an <laughs> asshole. Just yeah, no, nobody wants. Yeah. The no, my biggest gripe with the Peter Jackson movie. Yeah. They don't even own it. My that's favorite no... two characters in Lord of the Rings were Eowyn and Faramir. And if you've watched the movie, you'll know that they're kind of like. That relationship just really gets missed in the movie, and they're my two favorites. So, huh. Huh. Um, yeah, no TV I, series. For I you. don't think Silmaril- Silmarillion. They heavily guard that the Tolkien estate That's in terms of. I've heard that they like they've never offered the film rights to it right before, nor has anyone really wanted it. Right. It's well, it's, it's not really Bible. a linear. Yeah, it's not really a. Like, I mean, it, it, it's a collection of stories, but to try to really get it to a cohesive the way movie I is a little it to, difficult. The way I explain it to people who don't know about it, I would say it's like it's the Bible of Middle Earth, literally. Yeah. yeah, it's, yeah. The, it's the beginning of that it's world. It's the backstory. It's the backstory and the continuation. It's from the creation of Middle Earth until blah, blah, blah. Until yeah. the first I like to think age. of it as the DVD extras. Yeah, right. That's really what it is. Um, and Harry Potter, you were a first adapter? I got into that, and actually that's kind of funny. That's how I met Andrew Sims, actually, is I think I I got involved with Harry Potter um just kind of accidentally I read um I read the books when I was homesick one day and somebody said here read this you'll probably like it and then I gobbled down four books in something like six days and then I was obsessive about needing to know everything I could possibly know about that series and quickly found myself online at MuggleNet and was on on that website like every day for for years um found internet forums to discuss the books like with other adult fans and things. Right. And I was, I was, I was all over that fandom. Wow. That's great. Have you been to, you've been back to the UK since Warner opened the yes. big facility at Leves- yes. I was there this, Levston? Yeah. I was there this summer and right. I saw the facility and it is, it's nothing short of amazing. I mean, yeah, and the access you I'm get told. as a fan. spectacular. Um, the only criticism I have of it is that it is so densely compact. There are these, fantastic nuggets of things that if you don't really know where you're looking, you're going to miss something that's really amazing as a wow. fan. Like, like literally you have to look up constantly. You've got to wow. go through each bit detail by detail. They, they did a fabulous job with it. Um, 
And have you seen Platform Eight and a Half or whatnot at Platform Nine, nine and Three Quarters? Yes, King's Cross Station. Yes, I have. I have. You I have, asshole. Yeah, I've been there for a couple. Yeah, I've, I've been there more than once. Actually, a, a friend of mine lives um, in uh, outside of London, and to get the train, I have to actually go to King's Cross Station to get yeah. the train to our house. Did they also do there. some shooting at St Pancras Station next door? Say again. Didn't they also do some shooting at St. Pancras Station yes. next door, which yes. is the big Victorian Correct. Have station. you ever done uh, location visits for stuff you like? Who are you talking to? How is it possible that you're even asking this question after well, 51 We've episodes? never discussed this. Oh, oh yeah. Well, we have discussed it, or we... Well, I don't know that we... Yes, I am. I'm a huge... Have you really? I haven't done so a lot now of now than, say, 10 years ago. But yet, for me, honestly... Um, well, in Los Angeles, secular Los Angeles, I'm I'm literally never, ever, ever asked the question like, where's your church? <laughs> but if I were to be asked that question, my honest answer without a moment's hesitation would be um, Elliot's house from E.T. in the Seven Hills neighborhood out in uh, Tahunga. Yeah. Because for me, when I'm feeling a little like chilled out and I just want to sort of drive, drive by myself to and listen to music, music I drive out. Up into the cul-de-sac where Elliot's house from E.T. is, I look up, I don't stop the car, and then maybe if I'm feeling a little extra chill, I'll drive into Simi Valley and go look at the poltergeist house, which is still standing. (laughs) I'm glad I asked this question. The two most important suburban homes from the summer of 1982. I'm glad I asked this question. Yeah, no, I'm I'm huge. I mean, I'm from Long Island, and I can't say that I had this burning desire to go to the uh, I went to the Amityville house. Oh, okay. I went yeah. to high school in Syosset, actually. You went to Syosset High School? Uh, Mercy. Or, okay, right on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, yeah, no, I mean, it's not like I have a burning desire to go to the Amityville Horror House I did or it. anything. Did you really? Yeah. Westbury has another famous place, but it's not a movie location. It is the motel where Connie Francis got attacked. Yes, it's true. Attacked Howard by Johnson's. what? Attacked by a genital. I just got raped. I don't want to say that because I thought that was kind of off-putting. Okay. But now it, it's well, out there. But who was the attacker? I don't know. They found random her. Random guys. This random like, person yeah. they convicted. It was Someone the old um, like, Howard Johnson's yeah, motor in exactly. by uh, was this? right off of Exit brush, 40. Brush, oh, God. Brush early, Road, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. Early, early, early 80s, 80s, late 70s, something like that. She was like performing that. at the West Brand Music Fair across the street. And, then, and like, for it was a reasons whole big deal. best known to them, put her in the crappiest like, hotel in the area. shittiest ghetto hotel right across the street. Yeah. Wow. And it became famous for that. Like, every time people drove by it. It's famous. Yeah, yeah, seriously. But, yeah, no, I do the movie. I mean... Well, being in New York, obviously, it's, you know, turn around and there's a movie location everywhere you go. But the ones that I've done um, recently, because we were talking a little Doctor Who before the podcast, uh, Doctor Who filmed in New York last year um, in Central Central Park. So I went to go visit all the... all the locations. sites, yeah, and I had a friend with me, and I'm like, and she was trying to stay like kind of spoiler free on the whole season, and I was like, here, you're just going to want to sit on this bench right here. Just, I'm not telling you why, just do it. And it's the bench where um, uh, the doctor reads the letter from yeah, Amy. From Amy. So from, I was just like, her. trust oh, awesome. me, you're going to want to sit on this bench. Just sit here. <laughs> that's really cool. I haven't done much uh, in New York. I hardly did any. One day, I accidentally saw the Ghostbusters firehouse, and it was like the best thing ever. I just like looked up, and it was there. And uh, and then I was freaking out. Everyone was like, yeah, do you not... How long have you lived here that you not know that that's fucking there? Right. Um, and then right before I moved to L.A., I... All right, there is... It, it's from a book, actually. It's a, it's a real-life location from a fictional... From a work of fiction. It is Hammerskold Plaza, which is a... Yeah. It's from Stephen King's The Dark Tower. It's like the... Um, it's the R-World equivalent of the tower, kind of. Okay. And... um. 
It's like a weird kind of nerdy dark tower. Where thing. is this? What city? In New, York, New York City. Yeah, okay. Diamond Diamond Plaza. Plaza. It, yeah. It's it's just a tall build. It's just a skyscraper. It's an office building. But uh, King wrote it into his book, and at the time of the publication, there, right across the street from the real building in real life is a little park with a statue of a turtle. And when King wrote the book, he wrote that in there, but it wasn't true in real life yet. Okay. And over the years, someone donated a sculpture a of a turtle artwork. That's kind of great. So it's like the weird nexus between, you know what I mean? Totally. I don't know if anyone's else ever done that, though. Every time you, uh, I, see I go to photograph you for uh, the illustrated like episode it. guide, you always look away. You're throwing me off my game, man. <laughs> I, I got to look like I'm working. I know. Um, yeah. The Roger Rabbit Tunnel out here. That's my big one. Which is in Silver Lake. No, it's the park leading uh, up to the observatory. It's the tunnel leading from the observatory from Griffith Park Drive. Well, the bridge that leads to Toontown is an Atwater Village totally. going into Silver Lake. The tunnel is the one mm-hmm. from the actual shot of the inside of Toontown and Back to the Future 2 when Marty's escaping from Biff on the flying hoverboard. Oh, really? That's that Griffith Park Tunnel and a few other movies, too. Yeah, That's right, interesting. Right. Yeah. So you're a big Roger Rabbit fan? Yeah, it's one of my favorite I was going to say, ever. piece of trivia. Do you know the guy that wrote Roger Rabbit? Do you want to know who one of his best friends is? Oh, Dick Walt. The Dick, novel, you mean? Uh, Dick, uh, what's his name? The the, the screenwriter. The, the screenwriter of just, it. it. Oh, okay. Uh, one of his best friends, believe it or not, is the Archbishop of Newark in New Jersey. Really? Believe it oh, or really? not. Yes, they're buddies from going like way, way back. Or maybe it's the novelist who did How it. How do you find out that information? Oh, just ridiculous trivia that's running around <laughs> in my brain. Wow. And news articles. But yeah, his, wow. he's apparently like they're, they're buds. That's cool. He is, he just announced he is publishing the third installation. Installation. Installment. Installment. Thank you. Yep. Um, online only. Really? For Roger Rabbit 3. Because he couldn't get a publisher for that? He claims he wants to do it this way, but if you look back at the publication history, like he couldn't even get a publisher for one or two, really. Really? They were not successful books. Nobody cares. I've read them. They're not great. I'm a huge Roger Rabbit fan. Huh. They're different. They're not like the movie, you know what I mean? Interesting. They're comic strip characters in the book, as opposed to animated characters. So, like, Roger talks with word bubbles, and people can, like, grab the word balloon and hit someone over the head with it in, huh. in the novel version of Roger Rabbit. More Rabbit. literary than cinematic. Yes. They're literally com- they're comic book characters as right. opposed to animated characters. Right, right. So, it's just a whole different thing. Huh. Yeah. Interesting. Why did you bring up filming locations? Just Harry Potter and London? Yeah. The, uh, nine, uh, what's or it called? Outer London, I suppose. The uh, train suburbs. station thing. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Right, right, right. Oh, yeah. King's Cross See? Station. I brought it all back, man. Yeah. <laughs> Here we are. Um, what else will you check out in, when you go up over to London in November? Are you to the level of? Are you to the le- to the level with your shirt? Jesus Christ! Am I having a stroke? Um, is your Sherlock fandom sufficiently activated that you would hunt down any locations from any of those? episodes i would love to actually i i don't know that i'll have enough time to do it but right. i would love to go to cardiff where they've shot you know uh sherlock where they've shot doctor who where they've shot torchwood i would love to go there and do a bunch of the locations but the uh the convention that they're going to have is in london so i don't know if i'll have enough time to do the convention and then go across the country i'm not i have to figure out how much time i can get off from work to do it but i would love to do 
And what convention again? Shites. It's for the 50th anniversary of Doctor Who, which comes up November. It's November 23rd, 24th, and 25th is the official. They only just announced this maybe like a week ago. Okay. Um, and the actual date of the 50th anniversary of Doctor Who is November 23rd. And they're having this big convention in London. Um, actually, it's closer to Greenwich than London, but same thing. Okay. Um, and it's happening November 22nd through 25th. So I totally want to be. I mean, it's a once in a lifetime thing. 50th Are you covering? Um, not only, well, I'll totally cover it for Hyperbole and then just like me as a fan, I just can't wait. I just can't wait to go and experience that. I want to find out what they're going to do. Wow. Interesting. And they haven't, and they've only ever done in, since in the reboot era, they've only ever done one official convention before. And this was last year and it was just kind of like a, a one day thing where they had, you know, a little bit of Q and a, yeah, a little bit of Q and a with the current cast, Uh maybe a couple hours kind of thing. And that's it. This is going to be a three day extravaganza. I'm really curious what they're going to do for three days. Well, that's interesting. Huh? I should hook you up with my friends at prop store of London while you're over. How long are you going to be over for? Um, probably about five days, I guess. That's a long time. Yeah. I mean, well, it's a three-day convention, so I've got to, you know, I want to make sure I'm there a day ahead and then coming out. bumpers, for sure, for sure. Interesting. Huh. Yeah. If I can stretch it to longer, I will totally stretch it to longer because it it comes back up against um, Thanksgiving weekend. So if I can just... Stretch that, with, that a little longer and, and, and see if my family doesn't mind spending Thanksgiving in the UK. <laughs> uh, I can have some more fun. <laughs> spending Thanksgiving <laughs> by themselves. Yeah, yeah. That, 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 like I said, this, this, this may not go over so well. I don't know. We're going to see how this, see how this happens, you know? Um, and from there, or before that, actually, to Comic-Con, you're coming out in July again? Totally. Coming back out? Absolutely. Absolutely. And what are you looking forward to? Oh gosh, so many things. Uh, Walking Dead, okay. Doctor Who, mm-hmm. Game of Thrones. Yep. Um, definitely the the next uh, Hunger Games movie will actually I'm Catching sure will be there. Um, the next big hot thing, which I think is the next franchise to go like you know mega big, is the Mortal Instruments series. Uh, Cassandra you really Clare think so? wrote it. Absolutely, without question. Really? Yes, because really? it has. The, yeah, totally. I'll tell you why. Um, I'll tell you why I don't think so after you tell me okay. why I think so. Um, Not if, ever having read any of them. Yeah. If you look at the number of books that are sold uh-huh. on just the basis of like Harry Potter, Twilight, Hunger Games. Like Hunger Games was the movie that like people in Hollywood were asleep at the switch on, didn't think it was going to be huge. If you had looked at how much that thing dominated sales charts for years. Right. Everybody should have realized it had huge crossover appeal. It had a huge base core audience. Um, the same thing with the Mortal Instruments. It's there. That that core audience is there, and it not only crosses into teenagers. There are adults that are just hooked on that book, and there huh. are adults of both sexes hooked on that book. Huh. I think it's going to do it. I don't know it at all. I've never heard of it. Yeah. What's the first one is City of Bones. Correct. What are they about? Oh, maybe I have heard of that. Shadowhunters. You know what? I read. I read a. I read a synopsis of City and Bones online. I was like, I want to read that. I never did. That's yeah, funny. it's it right. like I. It sounded I, yeah, super cool to me. It's yeah, the yeah, next. Yeah. It's the next one to go mega big. It sounded cool. Um, I don't know that it is going to be quite as big as say, like I, I, mean, I don't think anything's ever going to touch August, Potter, which itself is sort of a. It's a unique. T- it's a unique time, that's but then the it, other thing but, it's Jamie Campbell yeah. Bauer is the lead, which is sort of. Who is that? He's sort of an an anti anti. Only please, Matt Cohen like can ask that on this anti anti yeah. He's a vulture. He's going to play like an yeah. anti-hero bad boy kind of thing. But he's still the lead. What he is. Yes. Two Twilight Correct. people got cast in X-Men. 
Well, yes, Cudmore was did. in Someone it. Named yeah, but, like but Dan, yeah, but Dan Boobers. Cudmore was in it before. Like, I mean, Dan Cudmore was in X Men before he got Twilight. I didn't know Colossus was in fucking Twilight. I learned yeah. a lot on that press release, and I learned there's someone acting named Boo Boo. Yes, Boo Stewart. Boo Stewart as a boy. Yes, yes, he's a little boy. I he looked has at a picture. sister named Wait for it. Wait for it. Wink, wink. Fivel. Oh, that's much better. <laughs> I went wink, 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 Stewart. <laughs> Um, yeah, Boo Boo Stewart is in five has joined the Jewish? cast of X Men. No, Days of the Future mom just kind of liked the she name, liked, so she, she named him after that. Big, what, what is was the name of the movie? American, American Tale. Tale. She yeah. named him after American yeah. Tale. Her Fievel's a boy. The mom is all confused. Yeah, a little bit. Um, and Cudmore is just reprising his role as Colossus. Right. Yeah. If you can call it a role. Well, they keep adding. I mean, but I felt bad. That was an under. But you're being smart. You're going like if you can call it a role. But let's talk about now. How many more actors are they oh, going to announce for this movie? 80 people in How this movie. long is this movie going to be in order for each of these actors to have two lines of dialogue? They're not even. How is it? They're possible? not even going to have two. They're probably lines. not. They're just going to show off whatever the power is. Cast. I would. I would argue that at least six. And I'm really. Con- I I might be way off on what they're doing in this movie because I keep thinking it's a very specific thing. I think it's all going to be Jennifer fucking Lawrence and Jackman. For the majority, uh-huh. and I think all of these old schoolers they're bringing back uh-huh. are going to be in the film in either some of them in likeness only, some of them in flashbacks of their deaths in this future where the mutants are hunting down. Because right. in the comic book, when they Good get call. to the future, the X Men are not all alive; only Wolverine is, and right. like two more. It's right. a famous poster of Charles Xavier deceased. Kitty right. Pride is east, uh, deceased. So I think Kathleen Sasha Ellen Page is not going to be in this movie for that long. Yeah, Bobby. So Drake, we're talking like cameo with Sean Ashmore. I think a lot of them will be. I think you'll get an extended cameo from McKellen and Patrick Stewart, and possibly Halle Berry, and maybe even Marsden to try to retcon him dying. Right. But uh, again, stop the train. What's retcon mean again? Retcon. What is the actual definition of retcon? Oh God! I mean, just I don't know. Actually, just to oh. try to make you forget. I mean, no retcon. Retcon is when you when you go back into the past and change something that history that you decide was you don't like that you decide yeah. you don't like, and they do that in Which comics all the Cyclops time. Cyclops' death yeah. at the beginning of X Men Three, exactly, and uh, everyone's death in X Men Three, basically. Right. But right. but by yeah, Magneto. So uh, I I like I, people are arguing that. It's not going to be Lawrence, but I was like, there is. If you look at that picture that Brian Singer tweeted the other day, with all the cast with the headshots, I didn't. I don't follow Brian Singer's Twitter. I didn't. I don't either. But uh, someone someone put a link up in it, it, and it was when they announced the two Twilight guys, or the guy yeah. and the girl, rather. Or uh, no, um, they're both males. Okay, both, I didn't, I didn't look guys. it up. I don't look at it. <laughs> you struggle to get your arms around. Uh, it's it's okay. The order on the whiteboard of which they're posted goes: Hugh Jackman, Jennifer Lawrence. McAvoy, Fassbender, McKellen. It's in order of importance. That's interesting. And okay. it goes Hugh Jackman, Jennifer Lawrence. So I think it's going to be a... Wo- because the comic... And is where did the photographs of Daniel Cudmore and Boo Boo Stewart end up on that wall? Bottom right corners. Like, the least important. Yes. So we're talking like cameos, basically. Yes, right. absolutely. Right. Okay. And then some other girl who got cast, uh, right. an Asian actress who's been in a lot of karate movies as Blink. Right. But yeah, yeah. Okay. So extended cameos. Here's the interesting thing is that movie is coming out either one week before or one week after 
Warner Brothers just slated Jupiter Ascending, the new movie by the Wachowski brothers, or I'm sorry, the Wachowskis. And there's another huge movie opening around that time. Mid to late July has become very concentrated next summer, 2014. Well, I think they're doing a smart thing. Even if the uh, the older actors, as you were, aren't in it for that long, you make this an event movie by having that. You make X Men yeah, First the cast Class of, like, two, the Towering right? Inferno. Yeah, people exactly. are going to come out to see like the, it's like a greatest hits. They're going to come it, out yeah. to see them. It makes First Class two in the same range of the first three X Men films, which was First Class one was not. It was a you know what right. I mean, right? So this makes it a even bigger, though I know Universe affair. is this really First Class two, is it? No, this is. Do you me. really think, in any meaningful way, that this the Not days whatsoever. of future past is going to dock? No, because with, for, with first class. No, and uh, McAvoy and Fassbender are not going to go to the future with with Jennifer Lawrence right. because they're not going to have Patrick Stewart meeting James McAvoy. What makes you think Jennifer Lawrence is going to go to the future? Because she's the star of that fucking movie. So you think, there, but in the in the Chris Claremont books, it's Kitty Pride, but Kitty Pride's not in this universe. Right, okay. Kitty Pride's in the future universe. So they'll give that power. Ellen they'll Page. give this power to they'll Mystique. It, it's not even a power. She, she, someone does it to her. Like someone reaches out from the future, kind of, and like opens a portal in her head. No, like an actual, like kind of like dimensional rift thing that like she goes through. I thought it, it in the book, isn't it? An older Kitty Pride sends her consciousness back through time to younger, to younger Kitty, Kitty Pride. I, I could be, I could be way off, but I don't. I, I'm not sure. Hmm. Um, Laura, I just know that Laura's sitting over here going, "Why am I here again?" Ellen, Ellen, <laughs> no, Ellen, no, actually, I like the. X- I'm not. I'm not as big of a fan as you guys are, but I like the X. Ellen Page was at all. Ellen Page is in X Men. Ellen Page is in X Men three four. I saw the first three. I don't know that I got. Was there's that only three. There's that? only three. Okay, so then yeah, I saw. Yeah. Then I did see the. Okay, so then I've seen all. You of saw them. Except, um, first class, but yeah, I just think you've got the big two of the biggest movie stars in the world. Jennifer Lawrence is in every fucking scene of that movie if they can help it. Because yeah. they're not bringing back Zoe Kravitz. They're not yeah. bringing back uh, Lucas Till. They're not bringing back the kid who played Banshee. So okay. it looks like they're dumping the first movie. They're G.I. Joeing it, basically. Right. Mm. Where they had a, I, I mentioned that to someone this weekend. They, have a, they had a, a movie that opened to hundreds of millions of dollars, was the critically thing, acclaimed. They're now just going to walk away from. And for the sequel, they dumped the cast. I don't like it. It's the same thing with G.I. Joe. It's fucking stupid. Yeah. I like the first X-Men. I liked X-Men First Class. Why recast everyone? Okay, just for the sake of okay, please. whatnot. Yeah, yeah. Here's the Wikipedia synopsis okay. of the plot of Days of for Future. Chris Claremont's two-issue. Yeah. Uh, Drawn by John Byrne. Book, that's correct. This would be the Uncanny X-Men uh, number 141 One, and yeah. 142. It's 141. All right, here's the synopsis. Days of Future Past is a popular storyline in the Marvel Comics comic book, The Uncanny X-Men, published in 1981. It deals with a dystopian alternative future in which mutants are incarcerated in internment camps. An adult Kitty Kate Pride transfers her mind into her younger self, the present-day Kitty Pride, who brings the X-Men to prevent a fatal moment in history which triggers anti-mutant hysteria. The storyline was very popular at the time and was produced during the franchise's rapid rise to popularity due to the writer-artist team of Chris Claremont, John Byrne, and Terry Austin. As a result of the storyline's popularity, the dark future seen in the story has been revisited numerous times. The first issue of this storyline was voted the, 25, the 25th greatest Marvel comic of all time by the fans in 2001. This reality 
has been designated as Earth 811. And hang on, this is just, I'll just read a a slightly longer version. The storyline alternates between present day, in which the X-Men fight Mystique's Brotherhood of Evil Mutants, and a future timeline caused by the X-Men's failure to prevent the Brotherhood from assassinating Senator Robert Kelly. In this future universe, Sentinels rule the United States, and mutants live in internment camps. The present-day X-Men are forewarned of the possible future by a future version of their teammate Kitty Pride, whose mind traveled back in time and possessed her younger self to warn the X-Men. She succeeds in her mission and returns to the future, but despite her success, the future timeline still exists as an alternative timeline rather than as, a, as the actual future. Sounds intriguing. Or whatever, whatever they're going to make of it, which I think will... They've never. They've only done a bouncing sentinel head at the beginning of X Men Three. They've done Kelly and they've done Triaxel in the bank with the sentinels. Right. So they, I don't know that they're going to go back to that exact storyline. I'm curious what they're going to do. Yeah. Yeah. Probably. So uh, when are they releasing this again? When is this slated? I know they just started, but what's their no, thought they, on what is coming out? They start April fifteenth. So in Montreal. So the thought is summer 2014 is what their thought is behind Correct. this? Okay. Correct. And um, now that I'm on my actual Google iPad app, hang on. July movies 2014. I just remember seeing that it was Iron Man. Yeah. That would be this summer, son. Right. Come on now. Come on now. Um, so the Hobbit moved, moved out of summer 2014 into November, which is you know the tradition, the traditional Hobbit date or Lord yeah. of the Rings date. Makes a lot more sense. Yeah. Um, it's also that kind of movie. It's just it's. I mean, it is a blockbuster, but it's not like you're, I don't think, feel like it has that summer blockbuster feel to it with The Hobbit. Well, I feel like, too, once you get exposed to the, the marketing juggernaut that accompanies the opening of any one of these Lord of the Rings movies, it, it's so intense. The audience needs a break. Yeah. I mean, I don't want to, especially here in, in a media-rich environment like Los Angeles, where you're driving around town and there are literal... The outdoor is not just billboards, but is bus shelters, the sides of buses, verticals that are placed on buildings. Yeah. Um, It's like, you know, and to say nothing of the fact that um, now all the outdoor has gone up for the Hobbit Blu-ray and DVD release when you drive around town. So it's like we're being subjected to wave two of marketing for the home video release. It's like, I need a break. There's a building by LAX off of La Cienega. It's like fucking 20 stories tall. It must be some giant thing. And it's always entirely wrapped. You know the one I'm talking about? Yes. It's the biggest wrapped building I've ever seen in Hollywood. And it's always wrapped for movies I've never heard of. Like I was driving down there and saw a 20-story tall billboard for the Billy Crystal movie that came out last month. Really? With like him and kids or something. Do you know what I'm talking about? Vaguely. Um, I saw that was where I first saw The Croods. Oh, yeah. There's some Steve Carell movie that's that. getting a lot. Burt of, Wonderstone is yeah, out right which, now. Which, I mean, is like the imagery on that is just kind of creepy. 
<laughs> it's a little weird. Yeah, I'm strange. looking at it and I'm going. I don't. I don't Ooh. think it did any particularly good business, though, did it? It, it was. It, it was nah. kind of like scaring me to see the movie. Honestly, I looked at it and I was um, like, "What cheap Vegas act is this?" It was. Oz it was took, kind of scary. Oz took top place twice, two weekends in a row now. Where yeah. we're at, yeah, yeah. Anyway, we're way off topic, and I'm oh, not totally. really getting the information that I want from Google. Thanks what information are you looking for? Just the summer release schedule from 2014. Um, yep, Burt Wonderstone DOA with 10 million. Hollywood Reporter. Well, yeah, the bigger it, story there <laughs> is um, that is the. I won't be able to. I won't be able to cite all five, but as was referenced in a either New York Times or LA Times article I read earlier today. Today is Monday. This is the fifth bomb. For Jim Carrey? No. The fifth consecutive bomb uh, coming out of Warner Brothers and Burbank. Mm-hmm. After the head of marketing over there, Sue Kroll, just re-upped for another 260 years. Well, I'm trying to like, think what else. They had um, Beautiful Creatures. Creatures bombed. What's uh, up? Beautiful Creatures. Beautiful what Creatures. Beautiful Creatures. Bombed. That was another YA stillborn YA book series that even like the it. Golden yeah. Compass which I believe was believe was also Warner Brothers that movie's awesome though we'll never and we'll never yeah, see you're a never sequel. gonna get another I know yeah. but it's still I'm happy with the one we got yeah. you know? they butchered fucking, the script of it it's great butcher the script and then I read yeah. the books and I was like oh no the books are way better but yeah, the movie's just, still great butcher, butcher the script yeah hmm. I like I like talking yeah. polar bears Ian McKellen and Ian McShane Oh really? Yeah, are dueling the two are the two dueling, dueling polar bears? I That's believe. Funny. Yeah. Um, let me fix my mic. And um, Jack the Giant Slayer, massive disaster. Yeah, like people are. I don't know where these people are getting their facts, and I haven't bothered to check. I just assume they're correct when they tell me that they've read business press that say that Jack the Giant Slayer, in terms of what it cost, which is what they're admitting to, is one ninety. That's what they're admitting to before, before, before the marketing spend, which so would probably be, which is usually half of negative. Right. So another hundred. You think a hundred for Jack? Well, typically the marketing spend on a, on a studio event movie is half the negative but cost. But did you so see a hundred worth of marketing for that movie? I think they did. I think they kind of almost just dumped that movie. It makes you wonder I though. I mean, this is the studio that produced the Harry Potter movies. Like how did they, how did they tank so badly after going with a series like the, that? The I mean, it's not are, impossible. These movies arguably yeah. should never have been made. Okay. What's interesting though, is that Warner's has tanked five in a row, but legendary has yet to tank, right? No, unfortunately, the the grim reality for Legendary is that they retained a huge chunk of ownership in Jack the Giant Slayer. They oh, own 75% ouch, of that negative. Jeez, I did not know that. I didn't even ouch. know Legendary so Warner was, Brothers was is involved. feeling a little happy about that. Wow. Less so about Beautiful Creatures, though, which is, well, as someone, re- as someone was talking to me about Beautiful Creatures yesterday, someone who shall not be named, who referred to it as a, quote, good old-fashioned Hollywood-style bomb. Um, I never saw it. I wanted to, but it came and went so fast. And I'm in danger now of not seeing Jack the Giant Slayer. You know, is that a real danger for you? It's a real danger that faces me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, what else are you excited about, Laura Cristiano? What well, else? tell us. So, the reason you're sitting in the living room here at Casa Condon <laughs> is that you're back on the left coast for yet another Stephanie Meyer related event since. The Breaking Dawn premiere, press junket, convention activity last November. You haven't been here since, have you? No, I have not. Right. So this is my so, first time back. I'm, I'm 
delighted not to be back. I, I seem to keep coming here every time like weather disaster strikes the East Coast. So last time I was out here in the middle of Hurricane What's Sandy. What's going on in Jersey? Um, God willing, nothing. Um. Well, I know there's another blizzard moving as we speak. Is there really? Oh, God, there I'm never is. going home. That's not even but funny. But I think it's more of a Boston issue Gosh, again. I, I hope so. I may not be going home. Uh, I'm here out here for The uh, Host, which is the sci-fi novel that Stephanie Meyer wrote that came out just before Breaking Dawn did, actually. Uh, the oh, Host really? came out in May 2008. Eight Breaking Dawn came out in August. I'm going to interject for one more second, and I'm going to leave you folks to this particular conversation. I have a problem with the title of that film only because another film of that title came out in the last 10 years and is massively popular. Mm-hmm. So it's very confusing. What do you think about that, Jack? The Korean film The Host, which is a, like a big, big cult movie. The it might be a big, big cult movie. It's a Korean monster movie. I don't even know if it's a cult movie. Like it's, it's. Yeah, no, I, I saw I, it on I, the IMDb. I had to think about what you were talking about. Really? Yeah. Oh no! I think they're making a host two in Korea right now. Like that was a yes, but uh, not in North America. It was one of the bigger Korean releases of, of I think ever. Ever. Like, yeah. Yeah. And there, that was okay. That's okay though. It fucking yeah. confuses me. All right, never mind. Yeah. No. Yeah. So yeah, no, I'm I, out here for the. Uh, I think there are other the premiere issues with. This host, yeah. Yeah, so I'm out here for the premiere, which is uh, coming up basically tomorrow. So Tomorrow night at the Cinerama Dome, Arclight Hollywood Complex on Sunset Boulevard. Right, Hollywood. has a cast of um, some incredibly talented people. Saoirse Ronan, who a lot of people um, remember from uh, Atonement, remember her from... Uh, was she in The Lovely Bones? Yes, Lovely Bones, Peter I was Jackson. just going to say. That's, I mean, yep. just incredibly phenomenal. Uh, Hannah, I mean, yep. Hannah, she was awesome in she Hannah. She great in Hannah. That um, For the director of Atonement, Joe Wright. Yeah, she's, yeah. she's the lead in this, and she is, I mean, phenomenal. And somebody who's like, I mean, she's like 19 years old, 20 years old, and she's right. just amazing. So got some good cast there. William Hurt is in the movie too. Right. Good, you know, actor who's got a resume that's got us how long, yep. you know. Um, and you know some some relative newcomers, Jake Abel, Max Irons. So uh, looking right. forward to it. Right. Have you seen it yet? I have. I have. I saw it in Philadelphia about oh about three weeks ago. I saw a preview of it. Right. It's it's generally speaking pretty true to the books. There's a couple areas where they um, diverged Nichol off. Adapted and directed. Correct. Andrew Nichol of who wrote the screenplay. Gavin fame. The, from which Peter Weir made The Truman Show. Mm-hmm. Andrew Nichol wrote and directed Gattaca. Andrew Nichol wrote and directed Simone with Al Pacino and his virtual girlfriend. Uh, there's another movie or two in there that I'm not remembering, I think. Yeah. But anyway. Yeah, it's, um, it, is, it is pretty true to the novel. Um, I mean, inevitably, they're going to cut some things, change some things. Sure. Um, by and large, I really, I really liked the movie. Right. Um, is it supernatural? Yeah, it's. It, I mean, the basic basic premise is is that there's an alien invasion on Earth, and basically, I mean, I know like everyone's done that, but um, the basic basic premise is there's an alien invasion on Earth, and that these aliens take over the bodies of humans. We are their, you know, hosts. That's where the title comes from, and basically, this race that invades us is like very peaceful people turn into like practically versions of like the stepford wives you know that nothing bothers yeah. them everything this is very invasion chill of the body snatchers um please and tell then me there's this a is a romance involving yes. a fucking alien yes, oh yes, my god she's fantastic um, the stephanie but, uh, Myers. yeah Take it so easy. it's a uh, yeah so basically there's a group of <laughs> renegade humans that are obviously you know trying to mount the resistance what have you and uh one of their number is taken over 
by a, by one of the aliens. And the question is, is, well, can you separate out now these two beings and are they, and are the people who are part of the resistance kind of attached to not only the person they knew, but right. the alien who's sort of seeing their side of things, but She's they're locked into lady. this one body. So how do they, but how do they the separate these she took, two people? She took the Cylons and made an entire movie out of them. Well, that's not wrong. That's, I mean, yeah, that's probably yeah. accurate. I'll, I mean, yeah. I'll have to go see it. Yeah. But um, they're calling it a love quadrangle or a love box. But there isn't the love. The love thing. This <laughs> is not Bella and Edward. No, not awful. Awful. With Edward as no. A, as an alien. No, this oh, is okay. not no, no, Twilight. No, 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 no. Oh, I thought it was guy and girl. Not guy happens no. to be alien. No, no, no. It's oh, it's right. the girl here that gets taken over, and there's two guys that you know. One is sort of more interested in the alien occupying the body, and the other one his wants name is his, Edward. Wants his girlfriend back. <laughs> really? Jacob. Oh, no, 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 no. no. It's Jedward and Jacob. Um, yeah, but I mean, <laughs> it's, it's, it's pretty cool. I mean, there were a lot of people that don't like Twilight that picked up the host and actually genuinely like the host as right. a as a story on its own. So my um, my experience has been anecdotally with the twenty nine ladies on Team Jack and the fandom at large that I mm-hmm. last saw in November is that more. What I heard more was. I never read the host. Yeah, which to me, mm-hmm. it's, it's struck when it came me out. as like, where's your loyalty yeah. to your author? What, He's only what, written the what two I think things, happened right? is a lot of the Twilight fandom. Um, I mean, there was a huge number of Twilight fans going into the first movie, but that number exponentially grew after that first movie. So right. you have people that you know read the first Twilight novel after the first you know movie, and then they plowed through the rest of the Twilight novels. But the whole frenzy in the culture, like the movies were still filming, they were online about that. Like they were so, I think, immersed in just that Twilight world and what was continuously happening with that, that they honestly just never got around to a lot of them picking up the other novel. Right. Um, for fans who were in the Twilight fandom before, they all read it. But anybody who really came in into the fandom with that first movie, I would right. say probably 80 to 90% of them had not picked up the book. And, and right. the book itself, I will say, um, is a little slow. At the, the first couple, I always tell people, wait until you get to the desert, then it picks up. Like the first nine chapters or so of the book are a bit slow until the action right. moves to the desert, and then it really picks up steam. Right. Interesting. Um. That... Uh, J.K. Rowling's post-Harry Potter adult novel, The Name Escapes Casual me. Vacancy. Did anyone read it? I tried. Was it a big... <laughs> was, it a, no, was it a big... Was it, a, was it like a bestseller? It, it, yeah, it was a bestseller. Well, it's a bestseller. But, yeah, because, it was a bestseller. I mean, but um, on a level that you would expect for J.K. Rowling, is it no. that sort of a thing? It, it, it was it, soft. I mean, it... Because I didn't... Because yeah, I was going... I mean, it's so... Well, I, I will say to this, too. It was absolutely an adult book. I mean, versus the other ones, which, you know, you could read if you were 8 to 80. This one was, without question, an adult in but, my mind, I was going, that's strange. All these Twilight fans haven't read everything Stephanie Meyer's written. And I was like, oh, wait a minute. I haven't read the fucking J.K. Rowling book. So it's yeah, the same thing. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. yeah. And it is. It's a, diff- it's it's a totally different thing, genre. Yeah. It's a totally different feel. And, you know, some people are, you know, um, I mean, there were people that would ask me, oh, you want to read another vampire book? And I'm like, no. You know, for yeah. me, that wasn't what attracted me to the book, you know. So it's, it's, a, it's a genre thing. Sometimes that's going to be what attracts somebody. Sometimes it's, it's not. It's also, it's just, it's a story thing. Right. It's a campfire thing. I talk, no, thank God, not because I bore myself. I've said it so many times. Um, but everyone wants to know, like, well, how many movies of the 8, 9, 10, depending on how the, the Academy 
comes down with the best picture nominees in any given year since they made that change. How many of them have you seen? And uh, inevitably, the answer is not that many. Right. And everybody, well, how can that be? I mean, eh, you get the screeners and it's so easy for you to put them in. And for me, the campfire metaphor is always the one that I go back to. We've had a full day in the forest. We've swam in the lake. It's been awesome. We've just cooked a big meal over the campfire. I had hot dogs that I sliced open, packed with cheese, and then wrapped in bacon and put back in the tin foil <laughs> in the bun and cooked them. And I had three of those, right? I'm going to make you that for Comic-Con. I'm serious. I'm going to walk up so with that to you good. at Comic-Con. You can do that for me, too, if you the will. The nitrate missile. There you go. Awesome. And um, then we had s'mores. And now, you know... It's it's like 10 o'clock, and it's getting late, and it's warm out, and I just want to crawl in my tent with uh, Bella and Renesme and look at my Edward Lockett and then go to sleep. Right. Oh, wait. We want to tell campfire stories? Literally, it's like, wait, what's? just give me the log line. What's the synopsis? Well, it's about a pilot who crashes in the dip, or whatever the English patient is. It's like, hey, you know what? I'm just going to go to bed, dude. <laughs> I don't care how right. important it is. If, you're spent. If it doesn't you're mentally hook checked me, out. You're, you're done. Yeah. yeah. But if you say, well, it's about a battle start, I'll, oh, I'll stay up for that. Right. <laughs> or it's about a 25-foot great white shark, oh, I'll stay up for that. Right, right. Well, it, hits, it hits whatever genre like is, is like sort of, they like, say, your sweet spot. Like what you yeah. want, you know, what's going to hook you. Oh, I'll watch Do you want right to spend, now. I mean, again, it's like any given novel, unless you're a voracious reader, it, the spend is going to be X, somewhere right. between 10 and 20 bucks. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, how long is it going to take for you to read it? Do you really, right. you, you pick up the host, you look at the art, you turn it over, you read the log line on the back. Do you want right. to read is it, it or something don't you, you really want to, want to be it? invested in? Exactly. Yeah. Like we were just saying, you know. It comes down to story. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Story and the, and the genre you really want to read. Like for Give me, it's, ex- it's fantasy. Like I, I, that's mostly what I I want to read in its in its various forms. I always say right. I live in the 21st century. Why would I want to read about it? Like I just right. I want to live in you know in somebody else's world or or do something fun or turn history on its head. Something like that, right? You know, would get me interested a lot quicker than anything else. I mean, they've got all sorts of different you know YA novels that come out each year, and oh some God. of them I just pass right on by. Yeah, one that I love right now is called Grave Mercy, which is a historical thing that's kind of turned on its head with um assassins which is pretty cool female oh, yeah, assassins I saw you plugging that on facebook yeah i i love it i robin um lefevers is the author and it's it's awesome and it has didn't she, its, play, didn't she play victoria and, it's um, it's funny it's a it's a similar name no it is it's a good rochelle was the victoria but the author yeah. here is robin and i don't think they're related Victorian at all i think it's just co- coincidence but right. it's a uh it's a fantastic book for me. You know, other people may not want that genre. You know, it depends. Right. What are you going to hook into? What's going to keep your attention? Right. You know? I always bring up the example I used to, back on my podcast when I used to do it with my friend Jesse, who now lives in Alabama. When Revolutionary Road came out. Rev Road. He was, called it during he award was season. more excited for that film than any film on the slate of that year. Uh-huh. And, and how do you like, feel about it having seen it? I've never seen it because I'm not a fucking pretend. I have no interest in watching a fucking thing about two... Like Ameri- I want dinosaurs and guns and fucking <laughs> Jason, Jason Statham. Suburban ennui. If you could throw a TARDIS no. in there. Like, I don't the give TARDIS. a shit about interpersonal dynamics between a married fucking couple. <laughs> yeah. And I'm sure it's a great film. Directed by Sam, yeah. your beloved Sam Mendes. Who I don't like as a filmmaker. Except well, for Skyfall. Who has announced that he will... And made the smart move there, I thought. By coming back on? No. 
He's he not. is not coming back. Very because smart move. Ends up what are you going to do when you make the best a billion yeah. dollars plus worldwide? Right. And you get a couple of us. You get a couple of Oscar wins in there for song and sound and whatnot, and phenomenal reviews. What are you going to do? Right. Like, why would you come back now? Who yeah. I'm curious where they go with the sequel. If they give it to a, a well, Sam John Logan, Mendes. I expect will come back to just keep writing on it with or without Mendes. But as a director, do they go with another Mendes type who is pretty against fucking type for the director of a James Bond movie? Yeah. Or do they go a traditional action director? Like, who do they just announce is directing Jurassic Park for? The guy who directed Safety Not Guaranteed, yes. like a little mumblecore comedy. Yeah, dude. It's One ins- movie. I don't get it anymore, dude. I don't either. I don't either. I don't get the jump from you made a movie to here's Jurassic that. Park. A visual effects extravaganza. Mm-hmm. He made an indie film with Aubrey Plaza. I mean, it could be said it could be said to be following in the footsteps of the Sony choice of Mark Webb for the Amazing Spider-Man. Sure. And I what I always hate, you know, what I you always presume you hope and presume that no one involved with these are actually listening to these podcasts. <laughs> Here's, there are two Get, main reasons why you make a choice like that. Send that hate mail to like Jack that. Morrissey, Fuck please. you, Mark Number Webb. one, you don't pay them. Mm-mm. They get nothing. And number two, you shove your hand way up that ass and you control them. You know? Um, just, I think the biggest, like the first one was when Gavin Hood got Wolverine yeah. after Totsi. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's just exactly. mind-boggling now, yeah. Yeah, well, the Sundance... The Sundance Film Festival has sort of become the uh, the, scouting the Bull Durham ground, League yeah. of yeah, yeah for franchise and event movies, which is but, um, weird. Do you think that it's that they're trying to get some of these? Like you said, a lot of these movies are big effects, big spectacle. Give me the dinosaur, give me the volcano, give me the blow up, and they want somebody who's going to pay more attention to script and interpersonal dynamic. At the same time, you need those other elements. And are they thinking, you know what, the guys out in CGI can handle that part? What we yeah, need is somebody effects, to pay. Get a yeah, like I can, just farm, I can just farm that out, but I need I somebody to pay attention to Hardy's story. I think it's definitely part that. It's definitely part, if we're making a $200 million movie, we don't want someone with a fucking personality. We, yeah. we mm-hmm. want a f- we, guy to make soap. We want a puppet, basically. Yeah. 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 And uh, it's also, I mean, maybe the Favreau model where, like, the fucking guy from the Swingers made like the the thing that jump started the entire yeah, wave of superhero. Had made he had made Zathura and some other shit stuff but, under his belt before that. Um, it, it's just strange. It because it, I remember years ago. Uh, it, it's either one of two things. You're either incredibly pigeonholed and nitpicked when you make a successful first film or whatever, yeah. mm-hmm. and they only want you to direct other movies that are exactly right. the same. Or yeah. it's this complete opposite thing where they're like, oh, okay, you could direct the movie. Yeah. Here's Jurassic Park. Yeah, that's crazy. Because, I, I mean, for me, like, Jurassic Park, I love the first one. The first one was fantastic. Right. For me, the second they took the dinosaurs off the island, it was significantly less scary. That didn't happen until right. the third one, though. Yeah, but that, but, but awesome I'm just too, saying, like, that, like, it, like the, the first one. The third one is Site B. What? Yeah. Third one is Site B. It's not Isla Cruz anyway. And then they no, go to didn't San the second Diego. wait, wait, wait. The second one though, didn't they take them off the island? And the second one wasn't that the whole the, thing at where the it's end at the end. Very, yeah. they come very to San Diego. San Diego. Right, they come to San Diego and they're running around Burbank. Right, and they're running around the harbor from the port. But yeah. to Burbank. me, like those movies were much scarier when it was right there on that island. When you know it was all those relationships and how are they going to get out of this yeah. situation? The second you took the dinosaurs off the island, that was it. Because I didn't care, I didn't care about any of the characters other yeah. than Jeff. Um, Jeff Goldblum was interesting, yeah. and after that, I didn't Malcolm. care about anybody else. Yeah, interesting. Did did, did he come back in the second? Yeah, uh, 
Jeff yes. Goldblum returned for Lost World, and as did just Jeff Goldblum, right? Sam Neill returned. Sam Neill and Jeff Goldblum. Excuse me, you're right for yeah. three. For three, yeah. yeah. Um. But Laura, I mean, I mean, Laura Dern is back for four. They yeah. say. Right? I mean, Laura, but that that whole connection with Sam Neill and Laura Dern and like the Laura kids Dern that they had. I mean, you had you had this level of yes. I think like Jeopardy in the first one that I don't think they ever got to with the others. With I think it's people you really cared about franchise. Well, I, I, I think we also live in a world now, twenty years on, where dinosaurs aren't that fucking scary anymore. Unfortunately, like, and it well, happened also, during the franchise. Also, mm-hmm. let's just say when that first movie a- came out, it was a Jaws equivalent of like, holy shit, that's a terrifying monster that I believe to be real. Right. Sure. Whereas now, every movie has that monster, and they're always a thousand times bigger than the T Rex. But let's let's just mm-hmm. also say on a podcast that's focused a lot on authors as well as filmmakers, what you have with Jaws is Peter Benchley, and a, mm-hmm. a phenomenal collaboration. Carl, Carl Gottlieb's contributions cannot be underestimated, nor that of Verna Fields, the editor. But, yeah, what you have with Millius. Jurassic Park and then The Lost World is you have Michael Crichton absent mm-hmm. for Jurassic Park 3 and will be absent for Jurassic Park 4 because he's, well, deceased, you know? So, um, jumping back to James Bond, though, you can let your mind roam freely all you want as to who will step into, uh, who will sit in Sam Mendes's chair for the next installment. But bear, please bear in mind that under no circumstances, unless it's, it will be a historic departure, which I don't see coming, will they hire a non-Brit or Australian or Kiwi potentially to step in. In other words, you can have a wank over Tarantino all you want. Never. Never. You can have happen. a wank over Spielberg. Never. Happen. In fact, Cubby Broccoli, Cubby Broccoli's refusal of Spielberg, Spielberg is what led it, to the right? creation yeah. of Indiana Jones. Exactly, yeah. Um, so, that I think is, is good, it going to be Chris Nolan? Yeah. I don't see Chris Nolan setting himself Joe up for that. Cornish. Yeah. Well, maybe. That's a good, I think yeah. that's a good call. Maybe. Too. Yeah. If they're going but British. Something like guys. Bond that is so iconically British. Like to me, it was the same thing with the Potter movies, even, even the same thing with something like Doctor Who. You need somebody who understands that culture. There, there's yeah. this quote. I think about Sam Mendes really made agreed. a specific choice. There's a quote choice. about the Potter movies, too, that they were adamant that it was going to be only American cast and American directors. And the quote was because otherwise we're going to end up with cheerleaders at Hogwarts. And it was that they were worried about. You mean like American culture, just that the universe was going to get too Americanized. And part of what makes that movie so so British. Yeah, is so British. Yeah, Yeah. that you you want that British. Yeah, I'm sorry, I misspoke there. But um, you want that British appeal. Like, there's just something about that that's that's intangible in a way, but it's so important. Interestingly enough, though, my favorite Harry Potter filmmaker is a Mexican gentleman, Alphonse Cuarón. Absolutely. Like, the only one I like out of those movies. After that one, I got off the train. Me too. Azkaban's the best by far. I never saw another. One. Yeah. Um, did Mira Nair do one or she was attached to one? She never did one. She never wound up doing no, one. No, okay. No. So here's who you can here's who is not doing a James Bond movie, or at least not doing the next one. Danny Boyle has already said no. Filth and or Trainspotting Two. It sounds like right. I thought it was Trainspotting Two. Yeah, yeah, but it was. There's a novel it's based on, which is called Filth. Yeah, or Porno. I can't remember. I feel like honestly, Danny Boyle's passing on the franchise is probably a permanent pass. I don't think it's it's just for now. I just think Danny Boyle is not going to make a James Bond movie. Sam Mendes is not coming back to make the next one. Peter Jackson. 
when's he going to be free? His timetable will not suit the Broccoli's. Yeah, another one of those. I mean, did that make? Hey, can you get? It did. It did better. Did it? Did better overseas, I thought, than U.S. I thought it did better overseas than it did in U.S. I yeah. was a little surprised by that announcement. It, it was a much better. I, I'm almost positive it did much better overseas. It, I mean, it had more of a. I mean, that whole series is more of a European feel to it, anyway. It was but never big here. Yeah, yeah. But you know, huge in those territories often means ten million dollars. Right. Yeah, no, I know. Um, but who's directing the next one? Because wasn't who directed the first Spielberg? Mm-hmm. And then who's meant to do the third? They don't know yet, but the interesting thing, there's an article I just read online, is that... J.J. Abrams. Uh, that'd be funny. Spielberg does not have a film on his slate. No, he's cleared the book. He's cleared the slate. It, which is really, for the first time ever, possibly, right? Yeah. Which, which led to an article surmising that he was actually going to direct Jurassic Park 4. I was like, come on. Come on. Uh, I mean, never say never because he did remake War of the Worlds. Um, I just saw that recently. I had never seen it. And he did it. do a fourth Indiana uh, Jones movie, so you never know. Possibly two of the most annoying children. I was like rooting for the aliens watching War, War of the, of the Worlds. Worlds. Two yeah. of the most annoying children, like Tom Cruise in yeah. that movie. I just was like, feed the kids to the aliens. They were the most annoying children ever. Come, Death Ray, come. Three hundred. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting. Huh. I never saw it. Do you have any comment on that? Oh no, I'm quite sure that it's downstairs <laughs> with everything. Um, Laura, bringing it back around to Twilight now that. Uh, You've had a chance to formally go through the seven-part Keith Clark, Scott Murray documentary, having watched all of it here at the house months <laughs> ago. Now he can in November. Still. I showed it all. That was like the hardest thing ever because I would end up seeing footage. And I'm like, I've seen that before. I'm like, oh, no, wait. No, I haven't officially seen that footage yeah, before. Exactly. That was the – that. I mean, it was great that I did get to see it early. But at the same time, every time something would come up online, I'm like, yeah. okay, is this new? Is this old? Do I put this up? Has anybody seen this before? That that was what where I got tripped up with it. Yeah. So between the – the Blu-ray and DVD release of Breaking Dawn Part 2 mm-hmm. with the attendant seven-part documentary, Bill's commentary track, mm-hmm. and the release also of the extended edition for Breaking Dawn Part 1. Um, what do we have to say about that? Oh, you want me to answer your question about the French Coven? I can just answer it right Yeah, that'd be cool because I've got people asking me about it all the time. There was one scene shot that I feel like we've all seen stills from, at least one still from... Be- and maybe the complete filmed archive, Twilight book or whatnot. Because yeah, I think that's where it is, actually. Summit tended not to, or at least our experience was on the two Breaking Dawn films, they tended not to have a high level of coordination between the stills that they were just flooding out into the world. And what and was making wait, Final Cut? scene still actually in the, <laughs> the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, the French Coven, the so-called French Coven... Uh, which is Amadou, Amadou, Amadou Lee and Amadou Lee uh, and, Amid, and, and I, the woman. Oh, uh, I can't think of her name. I can see her. I can't think of her name. Um, it's a single scene. 
It was shot on uh, in front of a building that was meant to look like a famous French landmark, not Versailles. I think with Rodin sculpture. Could be that makes sense. Rodin. Um, I f- I believe it was shot in Baton Rouge with some green screen um, for background replacement. And it was literally just, it was not dissimilar from the scene where you see Aro confront Toshiro in the London Alley. Okay. Instead, we see him and the Vulturi guard uh, in outside Paris having a conversation with those two that ends... More with them well, being on the side, that they're, they're of not. Of course, yeah, they're, they're because then they do loyal. show up on the snowfield at the end. Right. Um, was there anything else that needed addressing or hashing out that's, from those two That's That's the Blu-ray big one releases? I've gotten asked multiple times is French Coven. Um, yeah. The other one that I've gotten asked multiple times is only because it, it's a fan favorite. I know a lot of people were looking forward Garrett's to it. Garrett's Speech. D- yes, Garrett's Speech on the DVD. They were looking. I mean, it was cool to see Lee Pace's audition, and I also liked all that extra material we got in with Lee Pace. I right. wouldn't knock that for a second. That was amazing. Right. Um, and I personally think the the extras that we got on the Breaking Dawn DVDs are far better than any of the other DVDs at all. Nice. Um, I, I just, or in just the level hey, of commentary too, is just far more lucid than anything else. Um, but um, yeah, that was one that I wished would have been on there in some aspect. Was, yeah. Was so that. Um, the thing about Garrett's speech is it's really long. It on a, in a sequence where you're already parked on that battlefield for like 35 minutes and it's sort of one speech after the other after the other. Facinelli as Carlisle Cullen, and then some from Aro, right. and then some from then Edward Crosses, and then um, it was just like, oh my god! And that's before the battle, right? Let alone right. afterward when the the um, Takunas show up, right? So. It it was so it's so obviously needed to go. It has been cut. It exists in its best form in terms of all of the performance takes being mm-hmm. right where he wants them. Um, all the background elements in terms of the visual effects of the snowfield, as well as some of the background characters like the wolves, which mm-hmm. are visual effects, would all need to be finished. So we're looking at like green screen in the back of it, basically. Yeah. You yeah. Well, you're looking at a rough comp, which you mm-hmm. see in the documentary. It looks like snow-covered pine trees and stuff, mm-hmm. but it's super rough and and right. it's just rough and raw. It's not green, but um, it's it's hardly finished. There's no fog floating in the air, and you know, snow floating yeah. in the air, or anything like that. Little animatronic so, wolves in the background. The little yeah, cartoony exactly. wolves. Yeah. Um, it exists, and will it? ever see the light of day in what form uh it's it's too soon to tell yeah let's see do like a 10th anniversary ultimate collectors i mean 10 years from now who knows something like that maybe i don't know well no let's just let another six months or a year go by and then i'll talk openly about what i can't say right now (laughs) okay but um (laughs) he did leave that as well as all the deleted scenes Mm -hmm. um buffed up in their highest possible form and they can't the studio does not have the ability to finish and release those scenes without going through approvals with him. Mm-hmm. So fans who are interested in that do not need to worry that they would be looking at bastardized versions 
of any of this material. Yeah, if, it, cool. if it does surface, it all has to go through Bill. All the visual effects comps, all they because uh, if it doesn't, they're in breach with their stint, their uh, basic agreement with the Directors Guild, which is mm-hmm. the Directors Union, and and they'll be a, yeah, they'll be in deep shit yeah. with that. To say nothing of the fact that um, I don't know that Bill would ever come out and say anything about it, but certainly at Jack underscore Morrissey on Twitter would not be shy about the fact that the the material was coming out without his stamp on it, you know? Right. Um, it was just really long, that speech. It makes sense. I mean, it's, it's a pacing thing. Which, in, a, you know. in a sequence where there's just a lot of speeches already. Yeah. You don't even notice that um, the two Egyptians... Uh, that oh, two, they wander off into the night, basically? Well, yeah. they leave. Yeah. I mean, they, chick, they you chicken you out and, yeah. you don't and know all. split from that side of the right. battlefield. And right. that's another huge beat in that scene mm-hmm. that you don't even right. know. Well, the fact too, know. in the book that at one point, Alistair just takes off too. Like you don't, I don't Which think you do get that. You get that in the movie. Yeah. But, um, you get that he's just gruntled though. Do you get that he, I, I'm trying to think now, do you actually hear a line that says he's gone? He's, he decided not to that come. That was actually there. That was, that was addressed so many times during the editorial process because as, as Bill was showing, the working print to friends and family. And then we had our, uh, not one, but two private recruited friends and family test screenings. That was one point people just couldn't get clarity on. Well, did he go? Why did he go? And all that stuff. So you'll see there are lines in that fun in his final scene in the movie, which is when Bella's sort of, I think writing the note, and getting ready to go, and he wanders into that room with the, I think, right, um, right, with that sort of all like, the dolls on the wall, yeah, and says, sort of, you know, uh, well, good luck, you'll need it. Cheers. They kept adding all these lines in, like the cheers wasn't even in there on the first pass, yeah, just to make it crystal people clear just that he went. Really needed, clarity. yeah. You didn't yeah. know that he was. I mean, you knew yeah. he was disgruntled. I don't know. Yeah, like yeah. was it clear he was that a he actually left when he got out of the Mercedes? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Um, it, it was it was one of those moments too. It was like, why are we bringing him again? Just checking. He is literally the canary in the coal mine. Mm-hmm. He's the skeptic who shows up. He's the most skeptical and least supportive of all the guys who mm-hmm. they sort of cajole into coming to Forks. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's briefly optimistic as he watches Bella learn to um, use and then extend her shield. Mm-hmm. But then, sort of, just wanders off. That's the end of it. Not that. Not that. He invested. just loses faith in um, in their ability to stand against the Volturi. You know. So, thanks for the compliment on the documentary, though. I yeah, love no. That I mean, it's. I mean, you, you listen to all of them. And Keith like, Clark's documentary. Some of them, they're just sort of. You know, it. It. You. You feel like you're watching. You know, mystery science theater. You know, with the commentary on some of them and others, yeah. it's just too, it's just too dry. Yeah. Just way too dry on others. So this Bill one gives was actually. great commentary. Yeah. This one's actually. Keith gives great like, documentary. Like, like you can, you can watch it and be a film buff and, and enjoy it and watch it and be a fan and still enjoy it. Like that's, that's yeah. the genius of it. And the extras, so many extended extras on there that were yeah. just much, you know, better quality than we've gotten in other movies. That's great. I'm thrilled to hear you say that because we pushed real hard for that. Yeah. Getting Keith yeah. on as Bill's guy who is who has written, produced, edited, directed the documentaries for both yeah. Dreamgirls well, and Kinsey. It's just a different depth. It's it was just, a push yeah. and yeah. it was worth it. Yeah, you know? definitely. Definitely so, from a fan aspect. Absolutely. That's awesome. Do you have anything else you want to add? 
Um, as we wrap up, yeah, no, just off to dinner. I was, I was just going to say, as we wrap up, just uh, you know, check out if uh, you can hypable.com and what we've got going on. Hypable.com, Laura Cristiano, C R I S T I A N O, on Twitter. On Twitter, it's Laura two underscores BC is what it is. Like British Columbia. Like British Columbia. Which stands for Laura Byrne Cristiano. You got it. Um, her primary website or the, the site that led to her uh, big vulture profile, vulture magazine profile from last fall is, Twi- is twilightlexicon.com. Correct. Why did you choose that name? Um, I didn't choose it, actually. Lori uh, Lori Joffs, who uh, is the co-owner of the site, started it. It's it's actually a it was actually kind of used from the Harry Potter lexicon is where we got the idea from initially, okay. which contained all this extra material and backstory about the Harry Potter world, and we right. were out to do kind of the same thing with Twilight, Twilight and saga. that's why uh, we have the name. One one thing that we cannot forget. Um, is Laura's big distinct one of Laura's many distinctions in uh Twi Hard Nation is that she actually came up with the title Breaking Dawn. You are correct. Yeah, you want to tell that story? Uh yeah, actually as I say it's actually kind of funny. The, the only other time that this is out there is on an is on a podcast from MuggleNet from a couple of years ago. Okay. Um, what happened is before Stephanie Meyer was the most famous person on the planet uh, she would uh, enter the Twilight Lexicon chat room back when we had a chat room. This is wait, going... Wait, 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 wait. More famous than Boo Boo Stewart. Well, yeah, there I'm you sorry. go. <laughs> I love uh, that name now. So, uh, yeah. More famous, for, more famous for her time than J.K. Rowling, and then came E.L. James, and then in two years mm-hmm. from now, there'll be another author. Who yeah. it is, whoever it so is, right? Like, yep. So uh, this goes back to... Um, I want to say it's about 2000, 2006, 2007, somewhere in that realm. We're in a chat room. Uh, New Moon had already come out. Eclipse would come out the next year, and Stephanie was doing final edits on. Um, so, no, Eclipse was going to, was in final edit, was already being sent to the printers, and now she was in final edits of Breaking Dawn, and she was trying to come up with a new title for it. And we're in a chat room with about 20-some-odd people, and she's saying, you know, I need a title for this thing, want to do something right. a little different. To so, be clear, it was not Breaking Dawn. It was simply the fourth and final novel. Right. There was, there was, there was no title to it. Um, what, she didn't even have a working title? No, not at all. It, right. it, there was some material in not it even that had come forks? from... It, no, there was, <laughs> there was some material in it that had come from Forever Dawn, which was also, like, some material in it had come from that, which was... Um, sort of her extended version of what she had written way back when. Okay. Um, so people are tossing all, out all sorts of titles. And I guess in my head, I thought of Forever Dawn. And she's like, well, I want something different. I want something to to signify change. It's a new 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 world. Right. And somebody had put down, I don't remember who it was, had put down Daybreak. And I'm like, no, it's not good. You know, and they're going by with titles. And I just went, so how about Breaking Dawn? Movie. And I typed that in. And then all of a sudden... Stephanie goes, that's it. Now, mind you, like 30 titles have gone by and like right. everyone starts hovering over the keyboards going, what's it? And she goes, yeah. that one. And we're like, which one? And she's like, Breaking Dawn. And I was just like frozen over the top of the <laughs> keyboard. Like, did I just name her book? Did I just name her book? Yes, she did. So, yes. Um, and you can hear Stephanie Meyer um, give me credit for naming the book if you track down the uh, podcast she did on MuggleNet circa 2008. 
She does reference that I was the one who came up with that title, and she references what was my screen name at the time on the lexicon, which was Peliroja or Pel, which if you know me and speak Spanish, it means redhead, and I do in fact have red hair. So you will hear, yeah, exactly. Uh, So you will hear um, her say on that that podcast that Pel from the lexicon is the one who came up with the title, and that would be me. That's why I was so happy to be able to give you one of the the only, literally the only. cast and crew rap gift that was produced by the production for both parts of Breaking Dawn was simply a laptop bag, which just it. a few <laughs> of us have. Um, the thing that I love about that for you is not that, oh, you know, it was... And when I say the only gift, on Dreamgirls, every department made T-shirts. A few different departments had a few different ball caps that they made, and that was for a movie with a $75 million budget mm-hmm. compared to twilight soccer breaking dawn which had a budget of like three or four times that and yet produced exactly one crew gift that by the way very very few people on the crew even got which is a shonda in my mind but i was able to hoard like a, a dozen of those and um the thing i love about that for you is just that it's got the title on there and no parts one or two right so it's literally just the title. Eric Odom and I were just back in uh, Tidewater, Virginia for this movie project that we're developing and he rocked his uh, his Breaking Dawn laptop bag all through the, uh, cool. well, the I many, was, many I was, airports I was, that we had to go I, through to get from I, here to there. I've, I've got it with me in LA. <laughs> I've yeah. been, I've been using it. Piece. It's great. Absolutely. The font is cool. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. It's a nice piece for what it is. So, all right, Matt Cohen. Who made it? Yeah. I'm the decider on this one. All right. I think we've had enough. Well, we're over an hour, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Easy. By the way, this morning in Runyon Canyon, I listened to the very first, my very first appearance on Plus One Per Diem on oh, yeah. Kevin's, Kevin, and, Kevin and Jen's, Kevin Smith's and Kevin Smith and his wife's now defunct morning show. Mm. That's awesome. I went, I left the house here, walked down to Runyon Canyon, walked all the way up to Mount Doom, came, came down off Mount Doom, walked up to Mulholland. Came all the way back here to the house. I am still not finished <laughs> with that. It's unbelievable. Awesome. Like we think, getting over an hour is means we're good to go. Those shows were like three and four hours long, dude. Yeah, they're tough. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah. I actually ran into him at Comic Con last year in an elevator. Kevin. Yep. He's a sweetheart, right? Yep. Yeah, he's so nice, and down there in his element. So the prince of. Uh, Prince of San Diego. There you so. go. What's our title again? Lexicon, I think. No. 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 What's the hypable lexicon? lexicon? No. Laura Lexicon. That's how most <laughs> a lot of people <laughs> in my world know <laughs> you. Laura <laughs> Lexicon. They just couldn't spell any version what's of your last lexi- name. Was it what's to. a lexicon? What's a lexicon? Con. Wasn't it that one? There we was go. It, is that good though or is that weak? I don't know. No. No, it's funny because it sounds like what's a lesbian. That's what I thought. It sounds like what's a lesbian. Yeah, that makes which it is funny. You know that common phrase, what's a lesbian? No, I don't. It's not a common phrase. I'm making that up. But it reminded me of that, so I think we should stick with it. <laughs> All right. I think that's what lexicon? we said in the beginning. What's a lexicon? All right, sounds yeah. perfect. All right. Episode um, Twitter, you've given out Twilight Lexicon. You're also on Facebook as Twilight Lexicon. Right. Um, at Camel Toad on Twitter, Matt Cohen. I'm on Facebook as Twilight Lexicon as well. <laughs> <laughs> With two I's and three Z's because I'm from the streets. Right. Um, we're on Facebook as the Team Jack. 
also teamjack.com, at team underscore Jack, and at Jack underscore Morrissey with two R's and two S's. Also, feel free to send me a Facebook friend request at facebook.com slash therealjackmorrissey. And we're also on Tumblr, too. I think it's Team Jack FTW on Tumblr. I don't know. I think that's the extent of the empire these days. It's hard to keep up with. <laughs> All right. Until next week, uh, out. This has been a production of Smodco Internet Radio. Sir, only at Smodcast.com. <laughs>